Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Mays and Mets podcast. A lot to discuss today, including the Mets re-edition of Devin Mezzarocco. Spring training is on the way, and there is no better place to tune into for Mets talk than here. Thank you for joining us. everybody for joining again of course john here along with jake um we're going to talk about a lot of different things today uh a lot's going to be mets related but there's one thing that um we both wanted to talk about that is on almost every baseball fan's mind right now uh with these new um rules that the mets i mean the mlb might be entertaining um you know a lot of them include one of the biggest is uh and most likely to happen, the uh, the DH coming to the NL. That's not um, available right now, but they are discussing these rules. Uh, and, um, you know, there's a lot of different takes on it. Um, I'm sure Jake has his own thoughts. I have my own thoughts, and we'll discuss that. Yeah, um, I'm actually a big proponent of, of the DH rule coming to the NL. I mean, uh, I think not only pitcher is pitchers hitting, just putting them in the line of fire of, I mean, 90-plus mile-per-hour pitches when really they don't need to be there and they're looked at as just a, a spot, a, an easy out in the lineup. And, of course, it's fun to see pitchers hit. But, I mean, essentially, it in a way, it takes away from the game. So, um, I'm excited for the DH, and, and specifically as a Mets fan, I mean, I think it'd solve a lot of our problems. We wouldn't have to stick McNeil in the outfield. Cano would have a home uh, later later in his career when when the defense goes out and he goes all all for power. So I think it'd fix a lot of our problems and a lot of things that people are worried about um, currently as Mets fans. Oh, and if we don't have the D- if we do have the DH and uh... We don't have to put on McNeil in the outfield, and that gives us an opening for, hmm, Bryce Harper? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so I am on the other side of this issue. I do not want the DH in the NL. I am – I'm a very traditional guy when it comes to, you know, baseball, watching baseball. You know, I don't think we need to make any changes. I like the vast difference between the two um, leagues – I think it um, gives us a little bit of a, like, a, uh, not a bragging rights, but more of a uh, distinction that we can, you know, um, bring into the equation when we're talking about baseball with AL teams and stuff like that. It's not just going to be the same thing throughout. It's not going to be uniform. And so um, I also like watching pitchers hit for the most part, especially on our staff. We've got some guys who can actually hit. They're very uh, productive at the plate. Uh, DeGrom. Syndergaard, that they're doing the um, their job at the plate. Uh, you've got a couple other guys on that roster that can do it. Zach Wheeler even has a couple hits from last year. Um, I just enjoy watching that part of the game. I think it's uh, um, something we should keep. And it would be a shame if we can't watch uh, Mad Bum uh, get the hit anymore. Maybe they'll have to use him as a DH with the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, thing that I think really sticks out to me is that 
the, the difference between having the DH and not is is specifically the distinction, and I think the entertainment value, which I think is great. Um, and, and of course, for anyone watching baseball, I mean, I, I loved. I think one of my favorite moments of all time was watching Bartolo Colon hit that home run. And I think a lot of people have been just. I mean, for the sheer comedy of it, a lot of people have been using that moment as as an example of why to keep it. But I, I think the moment itself should be an example of why we need the DH. I mean, if it's such a prolific moment for a pitcher to hit a home run, I, I think it, it becomes more of, more of just less of like a, a competition. It just becomes like a, an empty spot in the lineup. I don't know. I, I think I, um, I disagree with that because there are a lot of pitchers in the game. I know what you say that they don't hit very well, but there are a lot of pitchers in the game that try to hit. Um, also, it's been part of the game for a long time, and uh, in many, not just the MLB, but many other parts, like other leagues and such, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just to, to change it, you know, um, that would mean there will never, unless they change it back, there will never be another pitcher hitting in a game before, and I don't know, I just don't um, like that. I think uh, we could do... Um, we should continue that. And I like the NL rules. I mean, I've been a Mets fan all my life. Um, I've been watching, uh, you know, these pitchers hit all the time and the NL rules all the time. And I'm just comfortable with the way things are currently. Um, and, you know, the biggest issue right now is pace of play. And I think they should be focusing on that a little bit more than this rule. Um, but here, I'll say this. Listen, if they add the DH, which they will, it's going to happen. Um, I, I won't be crying myself to sleep every night. It's not going to be a huge deal. Uh, I just um, come from a different perspective, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't, and I'm not entirely against it. And I think, of course, uh, not only is the game a competition, but the game is also, uh, it's for entertainment value. And I think, obviously, a, a pitcher hitting, specifically the pitchers that can hit. And I put can hit in quotation marks because those pitchers, pitchers still hit like 140. But I think it's exciting to see a pitcher get a hit and or, or score run for themselves. And I think it's a big part of the game. But efficiency-wise, I would rather um, see a DH there because it would fix a lot of problems, specifically not only for the Mets, but in the future it would – it would create a signing contracts to longer term contracts much easier um in in my in my book Let's go to a call real quick um uh Mike from Staten Island you're on hey, hey how are you hey Mike how's it going so did you want you want to talk about the rail rail mutual yeah rail muto deal yeah, I want to know uh, two things. Uh, one, do you think that the Phillies overpaid? And two, do you, how do you think that's going to affect the Mets this year? All right, um, I'll go first real quick. Um, I think – I do think that the Phillies did overpay. Look, JT Realmuto only has two years left on his contract. That was my biggest issue coming into it with the um, Mets, uh, especially when they were um, supposedly asking for so much talent. And the Phillies gave up a lot of talent. 
Um, Sixto Sanchez is a very, very lucrative uh, pitching prospect who I think is going to have a very good career. And they get six years of him in uh, Miami, and they also get a lot of uh, control over uh, Jorge Alfaro, another great prospect who um, who's going to be good. Um, and then they have the other additions to the deal as well that are going to impact it. Um, I see Ray Muto is one of the best catchers in the league. I think that will impact, impact the NL because – in the next two years, definitely. Um, I mean, he's a very good catcher. Um, he is somebody who is not a regular catcher. He's a leadoff man with a lot of speed who gets a lot of hits. We know that with the Marlins, he got a lot of hits all the time. He was always hitting, and he was always a thorn in our side when we were playing against him. So that's going to be a, a bit of an issue, um, and it's going to be a very competitive NL East, I think, this year. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, um, in the in the the tree part before we started the podcast, we were talking about the deal, and and I mean my my first idea about it is that I'm really proud of the Marlins for for sticking to that that price throughout the whole entire I mean last off season uh, into the trade deadline last year to to this off season, I mean they stuck with that really high price tag, and they were confident that they can get it from someone and someone desperate enough paid for it. And uh, I mean, the way that I'm talking about it, yes, I, I do think the Phillies way overpaid. Um, going hand in hand with that, I, I think that Real Muto is a very scary bat um, that we have to face. And I, I would have rather have seen him in a Marlins uniform facing us than a Phillies uniform. Um, and I think it makes the Phillies that much more of a contender uh, coming into 2019. All right, Mike. Uh, thanks for your thanks for your call. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks, um, guys. Yep. Uh, okay. So back to with the the rules. I mean, um, I mean all of them with these rules. I really the only one that I would really understand is the pitch clock, which I I'm a strong advocate for because I don't think it will be a, a huge deal adding that pitch clock. Sure, of course, there are going to be some uh, um, questions uh, regarding what happens if somebody tries to pick off and stuff like that. But I think it'll be easy to uh, administrate and uh, um, put into the system, and I mean, put into the equation as long as um, it's enforced correctly. Other than that, these other rules, I just think they're all crazy, and I don't think they're going to be best for baseball. One thing that I would say with the, the trade deadline in regards, keep that trade deadline where it is, but get rid of that second um, waiver uh, uh, wire deadline. I just don't like it. I think there should be one deadline. I don't like the um, the the thing where you put the wa- guys on waivers and then you make more trades and stuff like that. I just don't like that one. Yeah. Uh, I have to agree with that. I think the trade deadline, there there seems like um, there's a need to try and overcompensate um, for for trying to change one rule and and going along with change multiple rules. Um, And and some of these things seem nonsensical, like the, uh, obviously the trade deadline, there's no reason to move that. I don't think that will speed up the game anymore. I'm pretty sure that's the whole goal of these rule changes. Otherwise, the game has been flowing fine. 
Um, and I think there, there's not much reason for him. I think one of the craziest ones, uh, in my opinion, is the draft advantaging winning teams. I mean, the whole point of the draft is to, in, at least in every other professional sport, is to give it to the teams that are losing because they need talent. It, it doesn't really make sense to me that, if anything, they're just smothering small market teams even more than they already do uh, by doing that. Because w- once a small market team goes into uh, I- into a losing decade, I mean, there's going to be it's going to be a long time until they get out of that. So I don't understand that one at all. It doesn't really does not make sense to me. Well, I I um I would agree if most of these teams in this league we're committed to winning. But the fact is that they aren't. They aren't committed to winning and um you know, at a very high rate that I um uh I think's an issue. There's something that they need to do about this. We we may have another um strike coming up if these uh teams don't change the way they uh pay for players and stuff like that and um sign free agents because listen, analytics aside I mean, you want to sculpt your uh, roster in uh, some way, that's fine. But there are teams coming into the year with literally starting players that have no business being on a major league roster. And they're only doing it because they don't have to pay for those players, really. There are a lot of good, talented players out on the the, um, market. Um, You know, of course, there's Machado and Harper, but even after that, there's so many other guys that should have homes right now. And if teams don't want to compete, then maybe they shouldn't get the talent that they um, need to win. If you really don't want to compete, if you don't want to put the players out there to, um, you know, to compete and, um, you know, try to win that World Series. Um, I understand in any other situation, um, but right now I'm kind of, you know, annoyed with the current um, – the current um, atmosphere, uh, business atmosphere in the MLB. So I think this should be something done. That's one idea. There's a couple other ideas that I would think would be even better than that um, uh, to administrate. Uh, but, you know, you, you get what I'm saying here. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh I think one rule I'll I'll talk about real quickly is this uh, rule with the three pitchers, um, the three pitchers. I mean, I'm limiting a pitcher. A pitcher has to pitch to three batters. I don't think that's um, to, you know, they need to allow managers to make decisions depending on players with their their bullpen. Um, that's just how the game's always been, and how it's been the last decade, really. Um, all right, uh, so we'll wrap this up, uh, and we'll go to a uh, break now. We'll be back. Hello, Diamondbacks fans. The annual D-backs Fan Fest is right around the corner, and we will be giving you a sneak peek at what the D-backs have to offer this year, this Friday at 9 Eastern Time, 7 Mountain Time, on this week's episode of Rattle Up. FanFest will be taking place this Saturday, February the 9th, from noon p.m. to 4 p.m. at Salt River Fields, and is free of charge. There will be player autographs and much more. 
We will run you through what the D-backs and their partners have to offer and also go through the non-roster spring training invitees and the impact they could have on the team. All that and much more on this week's episode of Rattle Up. 9 Eastern Time, 7 Mountain Time. Make sure to stop by. 9 Eastern Time, 7 Mountain Time. See you there. Uh, all right, so welcome back from the break. So uh, this part of the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, Gio Gonzalez and the recent news um, of him declining an offer that the Mets made to them uh, to him recently uh, that was based around a one-year, $9 million option deal. John, how do you feel about um, him declining this deal? Well, I'll tell you exactly how I feel. First, I just wanted to quickly highlight, um, uh, just bring them up because uh, I don't know if listeners, uh, if they follow my page or not, they'll probably know. But um, the Mets did this week. They signed um, two guys to minor league contracts, uh, Devin Mezzarocco, they're bringing back, um, and uh, Sean Burnett, they uh, signed a veteran uh, relief pitcher. We'll talk more about those players as we go in the show, but I just wanted to bring that up. Now, on the Gio Gonzalez front, um, it is interesting to me that he would decline this deal. I mean, maybe he's looking for two years. Maybe he's looking for more money than $9 million. If that's the case, he's not worth it. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been fairly inconsistent at best, especially last season. He wasn't very good last year. Now, is he a, a better option than Jason Vargas, who we um, did give two years to, um, yes, he's a much better option, um, than Jason Vargas would be, but we have to remember, Gio Gonzalez is coming off a season worse than what Jason Vargas pitched the year before we signed him, so we could have Gio Gonzalez implode if he comes in, so I don't know, I just don't feel like uh, I'm not sure if he's deserving of the contract he's asking for. I think one year, $9 million is fair, and I think he should be all over that with the current uh, um, the current market. I think he should be all over that deal, and he pitches great in City Field. Uh, I don't understand why he would decline that. Uh, maybe Scott Boris is whispering into his ear uh, to look for a better deal, um, even though we are like a week away from spring training. Yeah, I, I have to agree um, with the fact that there's no reason for him to be dropping this. I mean, the, the only thing from from the research that I've done that could really um, get, give him a reason is if they if Scott Boris goes by that um, the one war point equals eight million dollars, which would boost him up to sixteen million uh, since since he supported a two two war last season uh, based on fan graphs. So, I mean, that's the only thing that really pops out to me is that he wants $7 million. He doesn't want a one-year deal. Um, those are the two things that are probably the, the biggest deals that to him. Uh, I, I think when you're so close to, to spring training at this point, if you're getting a deal with an option and you think you're a really good pitcher, then – you, I would be taking that deal all day. I don't understand why he's not. 
And there's always the option that if he pitches well, he'd get a better contract next year. Or you get a, a contract, another contract with the Mets, probably a, a, a more lucrative contract. So um, even though he pitched well with the Brewers down the stretch, you, you know, he needs to prove a little bit more, I guess, um, in terms of getting a two-year deal. And he's also older pitcher. He's 33, I believe. So, um, you know, we have to also take that into consideration. Now we have a caller, um, Jake from St. Louis, um, wants to talk about a potential World Series run. Uh, Jake, how are you? Jake, are you there? Oh, hey. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. Like I said earlier, I think this is a team that, based on what we've seen so far this off season, I think they have made some significant improvement in the bullpen. Uh, the lineup has improved. The defense has improved. Uh, and I really, truly think that this is a team that has, if they can stay healthy, I know health has always been an issue, not only with the Mets, but every team in baseball, every team in sports. But if this Mets team can stay healthy, I think they have a dominant bullpen, a solid rotation, and a very consistent lineup. And I think it can be a team that goes out there, wins, in my opinion, wins, you know, a low to mid-90 amount of games, and I think they can make a playoff run. And I I honestly think they can have a chance at a World Series. You know, I just, again, um, if everyone stays healthy, you know, and that's always a big issue with the Mets, but I, I truly have a special feeling about this team. I've been a Mets fan Oh, I've only been a Mets fan for about seven, eight years. Uh, David Wright was actually a reason I became a Mets fan. I'm from St. Louis, but I went to a Mets game in St. Louis, and I saw David Wright, and I just – David Wright was has been my favorite player for a while. And, you know, I, because of him, I started paying more attention to the Mets. And I think this is probably one of the best Mets teams I think I've ever seen. And I, I really think that this is going to be a special team. And uh, I just – you know, I, I hope I'm not alone. I hope there's Mets fans everywhere that thinks the same as I do, and I think they this is going to be a special team. Yeah, uh, thank you for the first off. I thought it was uh, uh, very well laid out. Um, I, I think I completely agree. I think this will be a very good team. One of the biggest things when you uh, brought up health, um, one of the things that Brody has done that um, our past um, uh, GM. Uh, didn't do was um, he, he brought in depth, a lot of depth to yes, this team. I agree. Um, so, you know, I think that's huge because if somebody gets injured, we could go right to somebody else. That's why this signing of uh, Devin Mazzarocco, for example, or a signing of a guy like Gio Gonzalez would be great additions um, to the team because these will serve as insurance. So then there are more options. Um, so if let's say Wilson Ramos gets injured, um, we could go to Travis Darnold or um, yep. or Devin Mezzarocco. We wouldn't have to go to what we did last year with Jose Lobatone and Tomas right. Rito. We don't have right. to deal with that. And you've got, look, we signed Gio Gonzalez, for example, let's say. Uh, we've got him. We've got uh, Jason Vargas. We've got Hector Santiago. Um, a couple other uh, rotation options, Corey Oswalt. Um, you know, those are guys that could uh, uh, hypothetically fit into that fifth rotation spot um, if Gio Gonzalez struggles or if Jason Vargas uh, struggles. 
or if one of them gets injured or, God forbid, one of our top guys gets injured. You know, we have depth in that situation. And that goes for right. the other positions as well. Um, I, I don't know how Jake feels about this, but I do feel like this could be a good team. This is a very tough division, though, which is um, going to be very interesting to see. Um, right. We could, you know, we, we could play us, which would be tough, but this is a very good division, so it's going to be very competitive. I agree, and I think, like you said, a tough division with the uh, Phillies actually earlier today acquiring J.T. Real Muto. That just, you know, the Phillies are now even better than they, what they were yesterday, you know. So, again, that's another team in our division that gets better. Um, but, you know, and like you said, Jason Vargas, you know, if he struggles, I know Jason Vargas didn't have the best numbers last year, but he, he stays healthy. He's a He's a very good innings guy. He may not be the best pitcher on the planet, but he's going to give you a consistent amount of innings. And if he can go out there, okay, allow two, three runs, and our offense does what we know they're capable of doing, we have a strong enough bullpen to be able to come in and say, okay, we have a lead, let's shut it down, let's get the win, let's go home. You know, know, Jason Vargas isn't the best pitcher in the world, but he's a a good fifth, fifth guy. He's an innings guy. You know, and every now and then he can have a great game, you know, just as, you know, a couple yeah. of pitchers on this roster. They're not the best pitchers, but they're good enough to get the job done. And I, I you know, I just, I feel that, um, and you know, let's remember, pieces, let's remember pieces are falling into place. Yeah, uh, let's remember also with Jason Vargas, last year during the second half, he pitched pretty, pretty well. Um, it mm-hmm. was like a. He had, he, I think he had a, you know, he had winning record. He had a three, uh, I think it was a uh, low to mid three ERA. So listen, he he could pitch well, um, and he could pitch well next year. Um, but having that depth, bringing in a guy like Gio Gonzalez gives us a lot of options. So we'll see oh, what yeah. happens. Uh, but depth yeah. is huge, and that's what Brody has uh, done this off season. He's not only made the MLB roster better, but he's bringing in depth. And that yeah. is going to help us in the long run to the World Series. Um, oh, if we I agree. Press all the right buttons. We could do it. We could do it. And you know what? There is nothing more that I want than playoff baseball to come back to New York, to City Field, because those were the best. You know, those were the best times of watching baseball in my life. Watching those games and. You know, I'm hungry after the last two years. I've been right. waiting since that uh, wild card game, since that home run. Uh, mm-hmm. off, uh, Connor Gillespie. I've been waiting. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said earlier, I'm a Cardinals fan, so, you know, I, yeah. I, I've seen winning baseball. But, you know, I've been oh, a so Mets fan for the past couple years. Yeah, well, my dad makes fun of me because he's a diehard Cardinal uh-huh. fan. He always talks about the Mets being pond scum and all that. But I just, you know, I say, you know what, the Mets, you know, they're my team away from home. And I, I root for the Mets. I love the Mets. I've actually paid a, a lot of attention the last two or three years. You know, so I want to see the kind of winning baseball that for the Mets that the Cardinals have had. Obviously, you know, the Cardinals are a historic franchise, but the Mets – the pieces they have in place right now, they have a lot of veterans. They have a lot of young guys. I, I truly think – I'm not saying it's going to be a dynasty, but I think they can put together yeah. some winning baseball, you know, it's just some winning, exciting yeah. playoff baseball. There's nothing better in the world than playoff baseball, in my opinion. Oh, I, no. Playoff baseball is the most exciting thing 
in the world. And I'm so excited that playoff baseball is going to get to come back to New York. Hopefully, you know, I remember you know, watching the world series run, you know, uh, the Cubs actually beat the Cardinals in the NLDS. They get to the NLCS and play the Mets and the Mets just, I mean, they handled them, you know, they, Oh, basically yeah, steamrolled them, and then they go on to play Kansas City when they just, you know, they kind of ran out of gas, it seemed like, but at the same time, you know, yeah, they just mistakes. got beat by a better um, team. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that, that, was a, that was a magical run. Yeah, it was, and in the World Series, just it kind of seems like the Kansas City Royals did not make mistakes at all. We made a few right. mistakes yep. here and there, and they were costly. Yeah. Right, I agree. But, yeah. Uh, well, Jake, thank you for thank you for taking my no call. Problem, I'll let you Jake. get on to the next guy, and you have a you have a great night. Go Mets, and uh, spring training's right around the corner. Thank you, Jake. That take care. Uh, all right, have a good one. All right. Uh, so, look. Uh, first off, that was a fantastic call. Um, interesting that he's a Cardinals and Mets fan. Um, so if the Mets don't make the playoffs, then he'll probably get another team that'll make the playoffs because the Cardinals are always in it. Um, look, Gio Gonzalez and, uh, you know, all these depth moves that the Mets are making are going to help them um, stay in competition this year because if somebody gets injured, if something happens to one guy, there will always be another guy to take his place. Um, all right, so let's uh, – Let's go to take a commercial. Remember, our call or number uh, is known as always. It is 845-277-9345. Call in if you want to talk, Max. And we are to the break. Hey, guys. This is Benson from Bucket Booth, also a producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern special episode of Bucko Booth. We're going to be talking about the Nick Franklin and Tom Kohler signings and how they impact the roster heading into 2019, as well as the recent proposed rule changes and if the designated hitter may be coming to the National League. Who would fill that role? Would it be Diaz, Gong, Chisnall, all that? And we'll be breaking down all the rule changes as well. We're going to be talking about the Francisco Liriano signing and how bringing Papa Francisco back to the Berg is going to be an effective move. All this and much more on this week's episode of Bucko Booth at 8 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. You don't want to miss it. Reminder, 8 a.m. Saturday. I'll be there, so uh, we'll see you there. Enjoy the rest of this episode, and we'll see you Saturday. Welcome back. Um, So, a lot to talk about still. Uh, Jake, I'm glad to have you back. I haven't heard you in a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, we had another so, Jake replacing for a little bit. Yeah, we did. Um, let's uh, see. So now for uh, this segment, we're going to talk about, um, you know, a lot about the Mets roster. We've spent a lot on this in the last segment because of the call, um, but uh, we can continue to do that here. Um, trying to say before, um, even in this offense, we may not have that Bryce Harper, which I would love to have on this team, but we do have a pretty dynamic uh, offense, um, one that's not just a uh, slugging machine that we've had in the past. Um, this is a more uh, 
Um, this is a more consistent offense of guys that get on base, guys that um, will take the second base, um, guys that uh, hit to the gaps. This is more of a, a offense that I could compare in a way to uh, the Royals offense. Sure, we have a couple guys that can hit home runs, definitely, but we got guys who can hit and hit and hit, and uh, that is dangerous. Yeah, I mean, even before you said it, I was just I was just thinking like, oh, that sounds like the 2015 Royals and the 2014 Royals. Yeah. I mean, the the idea of just stringing hits together rather than hitting home runs, and we don't have the name guy, but we have a team. I mean, I feel like that's what what beat us is that we had big names, we had our rotation, everyone knew our rotation, uh, and I felt like the Royals were just like a bunch of guys. They were just a team. And they pulled together yeah. and, they, and they strung those things, hits together. And I, I feel like we're that same type of team. As long as we stay healthy like they did, then, I mean, we we can do exactly what they did. Yeah. Um, I mean, just running down this roster real quick with the, the offense, for example, uh, you see, um, you know, you've got Brandon Nimmo who gets on base at such a consistent rate um, that, you know, he had the second, I believe it was the second best WRC plus, which is um, runs created um, last season. He was one of the top guys in that department. If the Mets would just drive him in, then, um, you know, that would make um, all the difference. And I feel like we have an offense that's going to drive him in this year. So that's going to be dangerous. You've got Chet Lowry who um, hits very well, um, gets on base, um, and last year hit home runs as well. Um, We've got Robinson Cano, who I think can still hit at a very good pace. You've got Wilson Ramos, who's a good hitter. All these guys in our lineup, good hitters. Michael Conforto, I think, is going to have a breakout season just like you do. Um, Even though he's he's proved himself in the past, I think he's just going to have an all-out, almost – MVP-like campaign next year. That's just how I feel because, uh, you know, what he did last year. You know, this whole lineup, it's not the best lineup in the world, but it is a lineup that um, will annoy pitchers, I think. Yeah, and and just a quick thing. I mean, you brought up Robinson Cano, who I feel like, I mean, it's really weird to me how – a season and a half ago, this guy was a for-sure Hall of Famer. And then the whole PED thing happened, and now he's a Met. And all of a sudden, he, he has become someone who is already on the decline, which is insane to me. I mean, I think he is going to be one of the biggest bats on this team, for sure. I don't think there's really much doubt about it. Um, but he's going to, like, give a jolt to the middle of the lineup that Bespedes really couldn't do based on his injuries. And I think, I think again, I've been bringing up Cespedes, a lot of people are forgetting his name because of his injuries, but if he comes back midway through the season, he's a really big bat. I mean, I think there's a lot of moving parts, which is very stressful as a, as a sports fan, but I think those moving parts, if they move in unison and it's efficient, I think we could be one of the best teams in baseball. It's just really, really comes down to the nitty-gritty small things um, that need to be fulfilled 
for, for each player to fill their role specifically. And let's not forget about that um, rotation we've got. I mean, we've got three guys in that rotation who can take a lot of the uh, um, a pressure off that bullpen. And we've got a good enough bullpen, especially down the stretch, um, that we could have a guy like Jacob deGrom pitch, um, you know, uh, uh, let's say uh, eight innings of one run ball and then have them come in and it's a 2-1 game us, and we could hold the lead and win that game for Jacob DeGrom. Uh, that, that is going to be very helpful um, moving forward, but that rotation is very good as of now. looks really good. Uh, um, Zach Wheeler, I think, will fully continue to pitch the way he did last year. Um, I think Noah Syndergaard might even take a step up this year. Um, as long as they stay healthy, uh, that rotation is going to be um, a stalwart to, to our success. Um, bullpen's great. We've got Edwin Diaz, uh, Familia, and Justin Wilson. That's a great trio of uh, pitchers to rely on. Hey, look, uh, I wanted uh, them to add uh, Andrew Miller earlier in the year, but maybe Justin Wilson could be a better option than Miller. Who knows? I mean, depending on uh, – uh, the circumstances. Um, Wilson's got a very live arm, and he strikes out a lot of batters. That could be a great uh, option to have in the seventh inning. Yeah, and I mean, going into that that bullpen, not only did we add those guys, but I think uh, what uh, some guys that fell under the radar last year just because of um, being a, a losing team. Quite frankly, I think some of the guys like like Zamora and Peterson and even Jacob Ram towards the end of the year. I mean, all of those guys really stepped up their game and they were like getting through games and keeping them at least a little bit low scoring. I mean, even Drew Smith, Paul Seawald, I think is going to be a bigger part uh, after, after recovering from an injury from last year. So I think we have a lot of guys and I think this spring training is very big for those smaller guys that are going to be longer and longer in relief. And if those guys can prove themselves, then in my opinion, I think Gio Gonzalez is sort of a waste of time when you have Gasselman and Lugo. I mean, if these smaller guys step up, show that they're major league worthy, and then we could put Gasselman or Lugo back into the rotation. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know how other teams could have a better pitching situation. I mean, these young guys really did show themselves and I, I, don't, I think a lot of people really overlooked them just because of us being a losing team. Yeah, and look, all these moves we made this offseason are going to put us out there in a way we haven't been um, thought of in the past um, because, you know, we are coming off two bad seasons, um, but at the same time, we've, we've added so many talent, so much talent, so much well-known talent throughout the league that people are paying attention. The Mets haven't been paid attention to in oh, how long? I mean, even during that 2015 run, um, you know, um, that was probably the only time we were paid attention to in the past decade. You know, so it'll be good. It's good, and. Um, I think we'll be able to uh, stand head-to-toe with any other team in the league. Uh, I just uh, have that much uh, belief in this roster. Now, if I'm wrong, 
then there's always uh, a chance of that happening. But uh, we'll see as we go. Um, but, you know, this roster is built, I think, to win. Yeah, and, I mean, just talking a little bit more about spring training, because I think that's going to dictate a lot of this season, specifically because we're going to be based on versatility and depth. I think a big part of this spring training is seeing Travis Darno at almost every position that isn't catcher or pitcher. I mean, I think they're trying to, with with the signing yeah. of Mazzarocco, who has proven to, I mean, way beyond proven that he's a major league talent, there's no reason for him to be in a minor league contract other than financial things. Um, I, I think that sort of proves that either A, they're, they're okay with uh, Mezzarocco taking over for Dorno and there's actually going to be a battle for the backup position, or B, that they truly believe that Darno is going to be their, um, say, Austin Romine, who could literally play any position, including catcher. Um, so I, I would yep. expect to see Travis Darno in a lot of positions during this spring yep. training. Yeah. Um, so our call-in number is 845-2779-345. Call in if you want to talk, uh, match with us. Um, so... Honestly, a lot of what you said is uh, uh, agreed upon. Uh, Travis Darno. Well, the interesting thing with Travis Darno is we could also buy him out. Now, if you buy him out, and if we still need a starting rotation uh, addition at that point, we could probably add uh, a catcher, another catcher on a minor league contract, use Devin Mezzarocco as a backup option, and then we could probably have a little bit more money to spend on a starting pitcher. We already know that the Mets are willing to spend on a starting pitcher, depending who are they, who they are. I mean, they, they offered a $9 million deal to Gio Gonzalez. So uh, you add in that uh, salary uh, relief uh, if Travis is cut, um, and then you would be able to um, go out and get a starting pitcher uh, to add to the rotation maybe. Um, who knows who it would be? Maybe it, we'd be able to uh, – give Gio a little bit more of a lucrative offer. Uh, there are several other options out there right now. I know Dallas Keuchel is out there uh, still. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, and I, I see what you're saying, but I, I can still stick with, in my personal opinion, I didn't feel comfortable having Gesellman or Lugo be our fifth guy if, if this bullpen – um, decides to come together. Uh, I, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. They both impressed me in their debut seasons, which they debuted ver- uh, at very similar times. And I think putting them in that position, I think they would really come back to it. I mean, Lugo's game against the Yankees last year was probably the only thing that made me excited to be a Mets fan uh, almost through that whole entire summer. So I think um, ha- having Lugo be our fifth guy, I'm not. Uh, it really, in my opinion, and I would rather have him than Gio Gonzalez, just because of um, him him growing. I mean, it, there's nothing more, in in my opinion. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Here's what where I come from on it. Um, I like Seth Lugo in that bullpen. Um, I think he's a very uh, – look, we could use him as a spot starter, definitely, and we could, uh, uh, you know, depend on him. 
depending on the situation, um, if necessary, in the rotation. Don't get me wrong. I like him in that um, bullpen. I like him as a multiple-inning arm who could also set um, up for the closer. He's been very good out of it. Um, he can also start. That's true. I- I'm still worried about that um, that torn UCL. He had a couple, uh, uh, what was he, a year and a half ago or a year ago. Um, so I want to keep that in mind uh, when determining his workload. So maybe it would be better to keep him as a, a reliever. And uh, – but, uh, you know, I would be against him being used as a starter. Um, it, it just gives us a lot more options if we add a starting pitcher. Um, we could also, uh, you said uh, Robert Giselman. Uh, Robert Giselman's a very good option as well. Um, he did struggle out of the rotation in 2017, and he, he did thrive in that bullpen role last year. Um, so that would be an interesting situation. All right, we'll uh, wrap this up and go to break, and then we'll be back to talk more about the Mets and their roster. Join the Ivy this Sunday as we talk about will the will the NL adopt adopt the DH, and who would Joe Joe Madden possibly play there every every different day? Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ, Albert Almora. We'll talk about it this Sunday, as well as. 27 non-roster invite players, such as Christian Bregman, Craig Brooks, Matt Crissity, Philippa Evans, Johnny Field, Carter Brooks, Francisco Arcia, and Ian Rice. We talk about it all this week on the Ivy. Tune in Sunday. All right, and we're back. Um, I'm just reading a comment from my page. Um, Some guy just commented uh, how... Harper is an absolute head case who thinks he's worth $35 million and bats two forty nine. Uh, please stop. We don't want him or need him. Uh, just those types of comments uh, right there uh, just don't make sense to me at all. I mean, first off, who really looks into average nowadays as a really, really, really credible stat when there's so many other stats that um, show what type of hitter a person is other than that? Did he struggle a bit with the bat last year? Yes. But does he change the dynamics of this offense if he's added to this roster? Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to uh, vent a little bit about that because I'm tired of bozos on my page commenting. Uh, I know you deal with that, Jake. Uh, yeah, I definitely get a, get a few crazies commenting on my page. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I happen to agree with you, honestly, on, on the Bryce Harper front. I do happen to have uh, to agree with the crazy guy of, about thirty-five million dollars a year. I mean, it's just as whether or not you think that the Wilpons are pocketing money, it's mm-hmm. an ex- really expensive price tag. I mean, but whether wait, or not Jake, it's back-loaded um, or front-loaded, I just think it's a super expensive price tag, especially at this point of the year when we've made a lot of our moves and made a lot of decisions. I think it would throw a huge kink into into this whole entire versatility. I know, but, part. but Jake, um, we're not really talking about $35 million at this point. I mean, it's much lower now, um, especially with all the uh, um, how the off-season has gone. I mean, they'd be lucky to get thirty million a year, um, uh, considering the situation. Uh, if it's, so if it's I think twenty-five was, million, 
$5 million with an option in the middle or at least towards the beginning of it, then I'm fine. If it's $35 million with no option and it's one of those long deals, I, I can't see it benefiting us in well, what the future. About $30 million? Because, like, you I know, think... we've got players like Cespedes who are bringing in almost $30 million a year. I mean, Bryce Harper think... and Manny I think there's, oh, an I'm sorry. Obvious, there's an obvious game plan um, that, that Brody is trying to implement. And, it, I mean, you don't see the Royals in 2015. I mean, we were just making that comparison. If the Royals yeah. were in our shoes, they're not making that deal. I have to agree with you. The Royals are never making that problem. deal. But, in you know what I mean, in the sense of that's where we're at. We're sort of fulfilling that game plan and, and I just think that yes Bryce Harper would be a huge addition to this lineup and I am not complaining but I think at this point it doesn't make sense based on what is obvious in the Mets organization as what this game plan going into this year is I, but it's I'm not, not even that it's- it's not even at this point it's not even about the Mets. It's not even about Bryce Harper. It's not even about Manny Machado. It's about fans who are stupid, who who listen to, you know, the talking heads in media or, you know, the talking heads in the business of baseball, um, hearing these things that Bryce Harper is a terrible player. Manny Machado um is a terrible person. Manny Machado can't hit. All of these ridiculous things just because the owners of teams don't want to pay for these guys. Um, they're tearing down these players' credibility because they want a little bit of money. Now, uh, you know, I believe in good sense negotiations. I believe teams should be able to no- negotiate, of course, but I don't believe in this tearing down of players just because um, they're on the free agent market. We've never seen two free agents like this before in one off season. And, We've never seen such hostility towards two of some two of the best players in the league. I mean, you think these guys were friggin' um, uh, hitting like Mendoza, like they they're at the Mendoza line and everything like that. That's how bad these guys are treated and talk, talked about. I mean, this reminds me also of the um, I'm bringing football in because uh, this was a little bit recently with Mike McCarthy and the Jets. How Mike McCarthy was. Uh, criticized by people close to the Jets um, organization because they didn't want to bring him in because he would want too much control over the team. You don't have to um, sidestep that. Say it. Say it. And then um, say the real reason instead of killing somebody's credibility because these guys need jobs. So destroying destroying uh, their reputation um, just because you don't want to uh, – pay them the money, it's not the right way to do it. And a lot of fans jump on that wagon, and it's so friggin' stupid. Yeah, and I have to just preface my comments the last time that I was speaking is that it's not – I think that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are automatic all-stars. In my opinion, I mean, going into every season, they're automatic all-stars in the last 10 years. So, I'm not saying that – I have to agree with you that 
anyone calling these guys bad players are really missing out on a huge part of the game. Um, and, and generally, they're more casual fans. I mean, that's just from my experience. Generally, they're people that see ESPN headlines and they see that uh, Manny Machado called uh, said that he's not Charlie Osler. They see that Bryce Harper had an argument in the dugout again. And I think that these are the these are the people that lower players' value. I mean, if I theoretically, if I'm if I'm the Phillies and I'm trying to make a contract and I'm hearing all these things, I think that it's just an outlet for me to give a give a smaller contract and to give a smaller amount of money. Exactly what you're saying that the owners are just looking for an excuse um, to to just lower the money even more and try and pay less and less. Yeah, and I don't think the right way to do that is through bashing the player. I think the right way to do that is to actually negotiate with the player. Um, by the way, we have a caller from uh, North Carolina. Uh, Brandon, uh, you are on the show. Um, you aren't Brandon Nimmo by any chance, are you? Brandon Nimmo? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, you wanted to uh, give a, a little bit of a uh, talk about the metric you think and everything? My motivational speech. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. We shall not sit here any longer. <laughs> we shall not sit it? here any longer. Oh. No, there's a lot. There's a lot. That I think that we can make a play. Right, I'll on. give you. I'll give you two minutes. Are you, are you setting the timer? Yeah, I the timer has been set. <laughs> okay. We shall make a deep playoff run. We will pass through the Phillies. We will go over the hills. We will roll over every baseball team that I know because I know the Mets and I know that we're the best dang team ever lived on this planet, whatever. You know what I mean. Anyways, we are going to make a deep playoff run. We are going to run through every stage that comes in front of us. And when we get on the big stage, we will win that World Series because I believe in this team. And I'm sick of being doubted. This team has a lot of potential, and we're going to kick everyone's beep. All wow. right. I liked it. Um, you know, uh, yeah, very good. Um, thank you, Brandon, for the speech. Uh, uh, You're welcome. All right. Uh, so a lot of – look, a lot of fans are uh, happy going into the season. Of course, we have a few uh, – uh, what's the word, curmudgeons or whatever? I don't know. It's something like that, uh, you know, that are always complaining. Like, nothing will make these people happy. Look, you could say the Mets um, didn't spend enough this offseason. I could probably agree with that. I think they should have spent more. But time, they have definitely brought in a lot of talent this offseason um, in a hopes to compete next year. And, uh, you know, we might have had to sidestep some spending to do so, but we did it nonetheless. Edwin Diaz, Robinson Cano, Justin Wilson, Wilson Ramos. Uh, we brought in Keon Broxton to, uh, uh, you know, uh, protect that uh, outfield. Uh, Jed Lowry, of course. How could I forget the Jedster? Um a very consistent hitter um, who can play that man, that third base. Um, who the hell am I missing? Um, 
Oh, uh, Robin- Familia. We re-signed Familia. Um, brought him back. Uh, he's going to be a great addition to that bullpen. Am I missing anybody? J.D. Davis, Not of yet. course, who was a fantastic interview. Who was that, Jake? Yeah, great guy. Uh, yeah, who, I mean, who else did you say? No, he's a great guy. I mean, I. I oh I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Know. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to you a little bit, I, I, of course, I want to be in the playoffs, but look, looking at it in the most simple lens possible, the Mets are putting a competitive team out there. It's going to be a good year, but whether or not we, honestly, I feel like it's going to be a good year, whether or not we make the playoffs just because it's going to be such a competitive year. Um, there's going to be – I think we will make the playoffs, but if we don't, I'm excited to see what unfolds. I mean, I, I personally, I'm just excited for the, like, summer nights where I get to be in City Field and I get to watch Jacob DeGlom pitch and I get to have baseball food. And I, I just – I'm too excited about baseball season overall. Any of the decisions that the front office has made so far ruin that. So I'm just excited overall for baseball season, whether or not we make the playoffs, which I'm hoping we will, and I think we will, but my word is not is not golden. So I'm just excited. I think we're going to be a competitive team this year, whether or not we're a playoff-bound team. And look, a lot, a lot could happen. Um, we know that in baseball, anything can happen in baseball, anything in any situation. There's so many moving parts to every team. Um, an injury could be big, an addition could be big. A, a guy breaking out um, that we never even expected to break out would be big. Um, like, yeah, I mean, who, just, to, just to cap that off. One second. I, I have, who? I have a good saying that anyone who says never in baseball, has never watched a baseball game in their life. And who would have expected, uh, let me use the Dodgers, for example, because they've had some guys come up big uh, in past seasons that, you know, we would never expected. Max Muncy is now one of the best first basemen in the game. Um, Chris Taylor is a very good super utility man that they brought in off waivers. Um you know, they've got other guys on that team that you would have never expected. Uh, Justin Turner, or that really hits hard home. Uh, yeah. So many other guys. Um, you know. uh, I mean, I would say that their bullpen really is made up of a lot of guys that are just sort of subpar, but brought them all the way to the World Series. Yeah, again, we've got another Harper hater on my account. Harper, what about <laughs> Harper? Has he ever won anything? I can't take it. He must have been listening to the show trying to get my, you know, get me annoyed. Um, <laughs> or trying to annoy me tonight. Has he ever won anything? There are 25 people on an MLB roster. 25. Or, He's not the only the one. It's so annoying you know what, Mets minister, get off my uh, get off my page. You're banned. Get off your page. You're banned. Um, so now we've got a fight going on on my page about Bryce Harper when the signing was Devin Mesoraco. Okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us tonight. Um, thank you, uh, uh, Jake, for uh, uh, coming on as usual uh, with me. 
on this great podcast. All right, good night, everybody. Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Vector. Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. John at Mets Updates and Jake at the first 162. For more Amazing Mets content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. And be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P O D C A S One. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.